0: Under the Tartan Sky, Episode 11, recorded 20 August and produced 30 August 2015. Let's play a game of word association. When I say Scotland, you say the first thing that comes to your mind. Okay? Scotland. How many of you said bagpipes? Quite a few, I'd wager. So this Under the Tartan Sky is for you. When we come back, it's all about, no, not the base, the bagpipes. And we'll talk with a piper from Scotland who is truly red hot.
1: up in the mystic and spellbinding saga that is Outlander? Wishing you could be swept away over the sea to sky? Why not come and visit Claire and Jamie's world? It's a land of standing stones, shimmering lochs and great glens that stretch to the horizon and beyond. Outlander, whether in books or on TV, is Scotland. Come and visit the breathtaking landscapes, walk the historic castle
2: grounds, listen for the scurl of the pipes through the thickening mists. You can travel through time when you visit and experience Scotland.
0: along with whiskey, kilts, haggis and tartan, and Nessie. Bagpipes are one of those iconic images that come to mind whenever you think of Scotland. To learn more about the pipes, I wanted to chat with a premier piper, someone who knows not just how to play the pipes, but the history of the instrument, their construction, the theory of the pipes, and their application to all forms of music. Joining me under the tartan sky is Craig Munro. He took up the pipes, not entirely by his own design, at the tender age of just eight. Today, he is the director of Wallace Bagpipes, arguably the world's best, made in Scotland and played worldwide. He teaches bagpipes to young and old alike worldwide. He performs with a world-class traditional pipe band, and oh yes, he tours the world playing the pipes as a member of the bag rock sensations, the Red Hot Chili Pipers. Craig was kind enough to make some time for the podcast between gigs, and so I began our conversation by asking him about the origins of the bagpipes.
2: Yeah, well, the, the bagpipes is actually a little bit of a myth in terms of where it was originated. Most people think it was originated in India, which is which is probably true, but we've got to appreciate that, that there's all different forms of bagpipes all over the world not just highland bagpipes we're we're led to believe that we did invent the three drone bagpipes so at the, at the moment on the highland pipes we have a bass drone and two tenor drones um whereas most other forms of bagpipes all over the world um really normally have just two drones um so i think what, what really is is probably the best way to approach it is we we took the theory of the bagpipes and we just adapted it and and maybe enhanced it a little bit who knows but certainly the original bagpipe we think was, was generated in, uh, originated in india um, and we've managed to adopt it and develop it i think that's probably the best way to put it
0: that's a great a great look at it because i on the show that we did about whiskey my guest then uh tom thompson of uh uh, Tom'sWhiskeyReviews.com said that there's a saying in in Scotland that the Irish invented whiskey, but the Scottish made it drinkable. So,
1: yeah. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so yeah. kind
0: of the same thing with the bagpipes. Uh, you guys yeah. just made it better, I, su- I suppose. Well,
2: that's, yeah, I think we we could probably, we certainly enhanced it to, to, to a stage, that's for sure. But because we do so much traveling with the band, we've come across all different types of bagpipes, you know, Bulgarian bagpipes, Galician bagpipes, Asturian bagpipes, and, and they're all they're all wildly different actually, you know, they all create uh, completely different tones.
0: One thing about the Scottish, of course, is, and you and I both know there's a huge Scott diaspora community around the world. And as the British empire grew and Scottish in service of the empire traveled the world, they took the bagpipes with them. And bagpipes have as a result really been integrated into cultures all around the world. And yet as an instrument, the bagpipes are one that uh, that people typically, you either love it or you hate it. There's very little middle ground when it comes to the sound of the bagpipes. Why do you think that is?
2: To be honest with you, Glenn, actually, my, my belief on this is the only people that hate bagpipes are people that haven't heard them being played properly yet. I'm a firm believer, if you hear a set of Helen bagpipes tuned and played well everybody falls in love with the sound. Now, whether it's the drones that kind of capture you, um, I'm not really sure. It's the drones create a kind of hypnotic almost sound that draws you in. Um, whereas the general public's perception of Highland bagpipes is maybe someone that they've saw on the TV or on YouTube or maybe busking in the, the local street corner um, if that's people's perception of bagpipes, then I'm not surprised they don't like it. But if you hear a very well-tuned, professionally played set of bagpipes, um, it does create a, a beautiful sound. So I think that perception that you either love it or hate it is because they um, they haven't been exposed to a proper sounding bagpipe yet.
0: Okay. It's not just hearing the instrument, but it's hearing it played well by someone who is obviously skilled at the instrument and I, and I suppose you could say that's true of any musical instrument
2: well that's it if you were to hear um if you were only ever to know a violin being played horribly then that would be your perception of the instrument it's not until you hear maybe someone that's classically trained um and andre Rieu or someone like that then you realize that it's actually a stunning instrument um, but if if you've only ever been exposed to it being played poorly and that's all you're ever going to think of it. And I think, again, you know, talk about the Red Hot Chili Pipers in a minute. I think that's what we've done. We've exposed bagpipes to the worldwide community to say this is an instrument that can actually be enjoyed and celebrated.
0: And we are going to talk about the Red Hot Chili Pipers. I, I can't let that opportunity slide by. But I also want to talk about your role with Wallace Bagpipes as the director there. And Wallace Bagpipes sponsors the Red Hot Chili Pipers and builds bagpipes. So... Can you take us through the basic elements in terms of the different pieces of a a set of bagpipes and the making of a set of bagpipes?
2: Yeah, that's right. I've got my own bagpipe manufacturing business. We're based in Annie's Land, which is in Glasgow in Scotland. And we've we've been uh, trading now for 10 years. uh, And we ship bagpipes all over the world. I would probably struggle to think of a country now that we haven't sold bagpipes to. But the processes, the, the, the raw material... Is, uh, is called African blackwood, and it comes in from Tanzania. That's the most common term for it in the industry, is African blackwood. The actual correct scientific name for it is uh, Dalbergia melanoxolum. That's the correct scientific tree that it comes from. Um, so we would uh, we would import the, the wood from, from Tanzania. Uh, and just to try and kind of quickly summarize it, the reason being is because the wood needs a long time to develop to create that density. Um, and just the, the moisture level in Tanzania means that it gets just enough moisture to grow, but it needs to take a long time to grow, to create a density. If you we were to try and grow that in Scotland, where it's incredibly moist, uh, moisture in the air and in the ground and so on, it would grow far too quick and it wouldn't have that density in it. Um, so we would import the wood from Tanzania, um, and then from there on in, we would go through various step-by-step guides, and the factory to produce... Um, an actual finished set of bagpipes, and 85% of our processes is all done by hand.
0: And so the drones that you've been talking about, those are, for lack of a better term, I guess that's the long wooden part that has come up. And then you have the bag, which is just a reservoir of air, I guess. And it's always interesting to see pipers blowing to fill the reservoir bag, and yet you continue to make music whether you're blowing into the bag or not
1: yeah as i
2: mean probably the best way to think of that bag is almost being like an air compressor um when we first strike up the pipes those pipes are going to continue to produce tone until the time we actually empty the bag and stop so it's a continuous uh, sound so really a lot of people think you've got to have these huge big lungs and full of capacity to play the bagpipes that's actually not the case Probably the hardest thing about playing the bagpipes is initially getting the pipes up under your arm in the first place and filling that bag with air. Once that bag's filled with air and it's under your arm, the key is to basically have a kind of steady pressure. And that's what separates a good piper to a bad piper, um, is that kind of steady blowing, as we would call it in the industry. You don't want to blow too hard um, or too less because you get this uneven pressure as if it's kind of creating various tones. Um and if you were to ever hear a a, a piper playing the, the the chanter, which is with the holes are there where your fingers would move, which would create the melody line. Um there's a reed inside that chanter. Um that should be a continuous tone. Sometimes you hear pipers and their chanter will cut out every now and then and that's someone that's very unsteady blown. So the the key to being a good piper, not only is having the finger technique, but you really need to have steady blowing as well and and keep that bag at constant pressure. Um, That's the key. So, yeah, the bag is is, is virtually a reservoir of air, which would store that that air. Once that bag is up under your arm, you're really just topping it up every now and then because you've got to to breathe in between it. You couldn't possibly continue playing a bagpipe for that length of time just by... Sheer blowing, you you need to regulate your blowing between the the blow in the bag, letting the bag stay steady. And then your arm pressure as well has a lot to do with it.
0: Yeah, you certainly couldn't do it continuously. I don't have the gentleman's name to hand at the moment, but just last week as we're recording this, someone in Scotland there set a a world's record, I understand, for playing the pipes continuously for, for 24 hours, although I think he was allowed a few minutes break every couple of hours.
2: Yeah, that's right. Yeah, the chap's name was Ricky Evans. Um, A piper from Scotland And yes, it was during the, the Pipe and Live Festival Which was last week That runs basically the week before The World Pipe Band Championships Which has just passed us at the weekend there And he set the new Guinness uh, Book of Records Now, th- that is correct He never played the bagpipes for 24 hours straight Um, Health and safety just wouldn't allow that <laughs> I'm, I'm sure So he had Scheduled breaks in between, not for very long. I don't think it was maybe just five minute breaks in between. Catch his breath and away, away went again. So um, no, I mean huge congratulations to him. That's a great achievement. It's great to have bagpipes featuring in the, the the Guinness Book of Records. I actually saw on his Facebook page just a couple of days ago that he's already thinking about potentially a forty eight hour um bagpipe stint. Um, and someone jokingly commented and says. Maybe you should wait until somebody challenges you first before you go and do it for 48 hours, you know? Yeah. Um. So, but uh, no, that was a great achievement. And it was good for the piping live as well. It brought something new to the festival. And or
0: maybe he needs to have somebody standing by with oxygen after 48 hours. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I,
2: I, I don't think I could do it, put it that way. I must yeah. have taken some training, you know, so congratulations to him. Absolutely.
0: You've touched on another subject I want to delve into because you teach bagpipes around the world, I know. How difficult an instrument is it to learn to play? Is it something that you need to start learning as a very young person, as as I started learning music in elementary school, fourth, fifth grade? Or is it something that an adult could pick up and say, I want to learn the pipes and jump right into it and and begin the learning process? And then how difficult is that process?
2: I I get asked the question very often you know, in terms of, am I too old to learn the bagpipes? And the answer is no, you're never too old to do anything really, in my opinion. All that happens is the longer you leave it, the more difficult you'll find it to adapt. And it's really like anything in general life, I, I would imagine. If you pick it up when you're a young kid, you're going to absorb it um, a lot quicker and and take it all in easier than what you would if you were um uh, later in life. Um, So we do have elderly people pick up the bagpipes because maybe it's something that was in their family years ago and they've always wanted to do it, they've maybe just not quite got round to it and they decide to pick up the pipes and learn it. I really applaud those people now. The people that do that are never going to be great players, they're never going to be highly successful in terms of playing the bagpipes, they'll certainly never make a career out of it. Um, You would really need to, if you wanted to become of a very professional level, start learning at a young age. Um, But it's a hard one, you know, how hard is it an instrument to learn? It's almost like riding a bike. Once Once you've mastered it, it doesn't really seem that difficult anymore, but... Um, I I do believe it is one of the hardest instruments in the world to learn for two reasons. Before you play the bagpipes, you start on something which is called the chanter. Um, it's almost I can only kind of compare it to a recorder really, um, where you don't have a bag as such. You're you're blown into the chanter and it's directly going into the reed, um, and then you you learn the finger technique first. So that so you would always go through and learn the finger technique. You would learn your scale. And all your embellishments and so on. Now normally you would learn all your technique and embellishments and maybe four or five tunes on the chanter, and then that's your opportunity, to then make the transition into the bagpipes. The sad thing is because you're learning you, you go you're learning the chanter and then you go into the bagpipes, you know, it's almost like someone hands you this octopus of an instrument with all these various <laughs> different parts and you don't know what goes where um and sadly that's normally where you lose people they're maybe taking the time and the effort to learn the embellishments and learn the finger technique i would class the chanter and the bagpipes as actually being two completely different instruments because normally when you hand someone a bagpipe and you say okay i want you to basically try and keep a steady pressure and also play the finger technique on the chanter it's almost like your brain forgets everything you've learned for the past six months because you're so focused on keeping this instrument steady pressure and make it keeping a tone uh, all the way throughout so um it's not really just like learning one instrument you're almost learning two instruments and you're trying to merge both together the chanter and then the bagpipes
0: yeah i was going to say i when you talk about the chanter i have a friend who's learning bagpipes and and i related it more to a clarinet a, you know a reeded instrument yes, yes and, sure. and as i was saying or trying to describe earlier the difference being when you're playing the chanter as you say you're actually blowing into the instrument and and doing all of the finger work but you're blowing into the reeded part of the instrument and and it's it's that that allows the instrument to make the music when yeah. you switch as you say from the chanter to the pipes now you're you're doing something different because now you're you're blowing into the tube to fill the bag but then you have to translate that into pressure onto the bag to then get through the instrument and doing the finger and I would think yeah it's almost like suddenly you're playing a totally different instrument
2: Yeah, it really is. It's so difficult. The other thing about bagpipes as well that I find fascinating is, um, and again, it's just through my time playing in the Red Hot Chili Papers and being involved in various different shows, one thing that's a a no-go area when you learn the bagpipes is performing with the music in front of you. When you think of orchestras and so on, they all have music stands in front of them and, and they all read off the page that never happens on the bagpipes. Like The World Pipe Band Championships just passed us by at the weekend. There isn't a piece of music in sight. Everything's memorised and it's just the way it's been done from the, from the beginning because I would imagine it's came through the time of bagpipes being generated Um, back in the day when it was the, the, the war and the, the bagpipes were the front line really because they were used to almost intimidate the opponents. Um, So you couldn't really, you couldn't march onto a battlefield with a, a music stand in front of you. And I think that's probably just carried through the generations. So not only have you got to learn how to master playing this instrument, every single piece of music you play has to be played by memory as well, um, which I know from some of the shows that we've been involved in, maybe playing with orchestras and things like that, they find that quite fascinating.
0: That's a very good point, and and one that I've never really thought of, because whenever you see a piper playing, you never see a piece of music. You're right. When I played in, in a marching band in high school and university, We generally memorized our music, but you always had the option. There was always a little lyre that could be attached to the instrument to hold the music. And I've seen some marching bands that do that. They have their music with them. We didn't. In my schooling, we learned it by memory. But I've never, ever seen a lyre attached to a bagpipe and music. So that brings an entirely different uh, additional element into It's not only knowing how to play it, but then you have to learn the music and memorize the music.
2: Yeah, Exactly.
0: You touched on pipe bands and and the just passed uh, World Pipe Band Championship, and, and I'm curious, what role does does competition like that Highland Games, uh, the the bagpipe championships, what role do they play in keeping bagpipes alive? And I and I guess where I'm going with this question is here in the states, musical education is somewhat under fire. We we are so focusing our educational system on what they call STEM subjects, math, science, et cetera, uh, that the arts and, and music education is really getting left behind and in some cases being cut back in schools because of funding issues. So I'm concerned or curious what your take would be as to what the future holds for the bagpipes. You teach a lot of people around the world. Are you finding young people coming to the pipes? Is it difficult to get new students coming to the instruments? Where is, where do you think we're going in terms of long-term future for bagpipe music.
2: Well, in my opinion, Glenn, actually bagpipes have never been in a healthier position than what they are just now, and there's various reasons for that. One of them, again, we take the Red Hot Chili Papers. I, I think they've made it cool and acceptable for kids. Um, <laughs> I remember learning bagpipes when I was eight years old, um, which which is, you know, really 23 years ago. <laughs> Uh, which is amazing. The, the, the opportunities then are, are were, were never anything like we've got just now. Bagpipes weren't accepted back then, Um, if anything, and I'm always open about it. I do this lecture to schools when I'm trying to encourage kids to play bagpipes. I remember actually my friends gave me a little bit of a hard time when I was young about it, you know, coming home from school. They're all wanting to go out and play football, and I was having to stay in and practice my bagpipes. And I remember... They were kind of teasing me at times and and joking around. But when I look at my life now and I've managed to make a career out of it, I'm glad that I made the decision my parents supported me to stay in practice. But nowadays um, you've got things like the National Youth Pipe Band of Scotland um, where a lot of kids from all different areas, all different pipe bands, all different backgrounds come together and they form this what they call the National Youth Pipe Band of Scotland. Now, they don't compete. They're purely a performance and concert band um and they go for weekends away and things like that so it gets kids from all different areas to come together and socialize um which obviously keeps the instrument alive and as i say, that the chili pipers i think have made it acceptable in modern day society um but also just now there's a huge incentive there's a huge push at the moment at the moment to have bagpipes taught in schools uh, bagpipes have been taught in a lot of private schools in Scotland um and that's always been the case but in the private schools, rugby is the main thing, you know, and bagpipes come secondary. Um, But there's this new thing, this um new trust, um, the Scottish schools trust uh, has, has been developed where there's actually bagpipes being taught in mainstream schools as well now. So, I mean, the bagpipes, in my opinion, are, are in a far more healthier position now than what they've ever been uh, in the past. Normally, in years gone past, and I'm only talking about maybe 10 years ago, you would only ever have got involved in bagpipes if it was in your family or one of your best friends' dad's played, and the bothies decided to go along. But now it's it's right in front of you at your school. You know it's been taught through the schools of all ages. Um, as I say, you know the Red Hot Chili Pipers are performing all over the world. There's a lot of kids coming to the show and really looking up to the band and deciding to learn the pipes. So uh, I'm very thankful that bagpipes are going to be in a healthy position for many years to come so
0: before we get into the red hot chili pipers and i do want to go there you mentioned at eight years old you're having to go in and practice the pipes while your mates are off playing football what brought you to the pipes is there a family connection there as you were just saying why at eight years old were you going into the house and practicing the pipes when all your mates were out playing football
2: exactly and i know i'm actually the first and only piper and my family, which is which is quite amazing, considering I managed to make a career out of it. Um, but like I said a minute ago, the reason I was effectively forced to go to band practice is my mother's best friend wanted her daughter to start learning the pipes. Um, and she wouldn't go on her own, so my mum said to me, "Listen, would you go along and keep uh, Jennifer company? She won't <laughs> go on her own." And to be honest, Glenn, at eight years old, I don't even think I knew what bagpipes were or I even ever heard a set of pace in my whole entire life. So I was forced to go along and keep someone company. Um and I absolutely loved it. Both of us kept up. Unfortunately that the, the girl that, that started it, she no longer plays um anymore. But I just it was just something that I was drawn to. Um, I loved the discipline of it. I loved the music. Um as a young kid I tried everything. I played in football teams, I joined the BB, I joined karate and all sorts of different things and my parents probably thought this was just another thing that was going to pass me by. But it was something that I had a, a real love for and a passion for it. Um and I kept at it. So now I'm the first uh and only piper in my, my family. I've just had a, a a brand new baby boy that was born uh nine weeks ago. So hopefully um the the tradition within the family can continue. Um but I was the only piper in, in the family and um and another interesting thing to touch on there is I remember going through school uh, and this is something when I do lectures I talk about this uh, much to the the, the cringing of the, the headmasters when I talk about this but I remember going through school as well and if I was to pull out all of my school reports it would have all my grades and whatever and at the bottom comments of every subject apart from music it would say Craig must realise that bagpipes will not see him through the rest of his life you know. Um, and it's amazing to think that I just knew of an early age that I would be doing something in later life to do with bagpipes because it's something that I knew I was good at and it was the only thing I had a passion for. So i trying to, I always try and put it across to younger people out there, you know, don't try and let people talk you down. You know, if you've got a real love for something, a real passion, it's something that you want to do and it's your dream. You've really got to push and try to achieve it um, if you possibly can. And the first time I said that, I went into my old school to do a talk because they asked me as a previous pupil to come in and talk about my life. And when I brought up that subject and I said almost effectively don't listen to your teachers if you believe in yourself and then push it and, and try and achieve your goals, um, they were a wee bit disappointed in me when I said that right enough. um, But it's very true in my opinion.
0: I, I, would, I would tend to agree with you that I think if you have a passion, you need to do everything you can to follow that passion and or dream. If there's a dream that you hold dear, then you need to chase that dream and and try to make it reality. Without those kinds of things, life gets very, very boring indeed. I, I'm curious. Uh, does Jennifer now point to you with pride and say, "I knew him when"?
2: Yeah, I hope so. I, I hope so. I mean, we still know each other because our families cross paths uh, many times. Um I, I know she probably still plays on her own, but she certainly doesn't compete um, or anything or anything like that. So I'd like to think that um that she probably looks upon myself and thinks, if it wasn't for me then he wouldn't be where he is in, in life. And certainly I'm forever grateful um, that I was forced to go along and keep her company because that is, that is absolutely true. If I wasn't, if, she, if her, her mother didn't want her to go along and she didn't agree to it in the first place, um, then I, I certainly wouldn't be doing what I'm doing just now.
0: You mentioned that you have been able to make bagpipes your career and you have indeed uh, as director of Wallace Bagpipes, obviously as a member of the Red Hot Chili Pipers and, Uh, You've done a little bit of piping for some folks by the name of Disney and Pixar. What was it like working in the movies? And and, uh, if I remember, you'll correct me, you did some piping on Brave and on uh, How to Train Your Dragon. Was it one or two?
2: It was the second uh, second How to Train Your Dragon, yeah. Okay. Um, Yeah, they were great experiences, you know, to be involved in something like that. And it's probably something in later life, those are are one of the key moments that I'll look back on and say, you know, that's a real... It's a real achievement um to, to be in those movies and actually have our name in the credits as well. I think it was a great achievement. So that was nice for all the family to go along and, and watch these movies in the cinema. Um and, and as I said, I've just had a new baby boy, so I'd like to think that's something that we'll watch together and he'll be proud of me when he when he grows up one day. But to be involved in something like that was, was fantastic personally. But for the instrument, it was a, a monumental thing for the instrument to be involved in, in movies like that. Bikepapers have been involved in various different movies over the years, but certainly for Disney to come call in. Disney was the first major movie that, that I was involved in with other members of the Red Hot Chili Pipers as well. Um, and we were involved heavily in that process. We went down to London uh, Air Adele Studios, and we we spent a full day there with Patrick Doyle, who was the composer um, for the for the Brave uh, soundtracks, and he was great to work with. He really was. We had so much fun. actually being able to see these movies, you know, and How to Train the Dragon as well, be developed in front of our own eyes uh, was was quite fascinating. One of the the funny stories I have about that is um, when we done Brave, there's a there's a scene in Brave. Uh, um, I'm sure you've saw the film yourself where oh, yes. they're at a, they're at a Highland Games. And this kind of mass brawl breaks out and the pipers are playing away. And, and there's a there's a, a log that's thrown and it's thrown towards the pipers. And one of the pipers has to basically jump out of the road of this log as the pipers are playing. And we had to cut that area and go back into it again. And Patrick says, you know, you've almost got to try and be these characters. Imagine yourself in real life. If you're standing playing away the bagpipes and this brawl happens around you, but your job is you've got to keep the music going if all of a sudden you see a log coming towards you and you jump out the road, you're not going to keep playing to perfection, you know? So we actually had to, and it was myself that I had to do this, this part, I had to purposely make a mistake, you know? It's the first time in my life that I've, <laughs> I've, de- I've deliberately had to make a mistake. Um, yes. He says, because you're never going to perform uh, perfectly if that was the case. So I had to kind of, make a mistake and then try and come back in on the music again sort of thing so it was really really fun to be to be part of that um and to have a name in the credits and and, and i actually haven't been to disney as of yet but i'm led to believe that there's photographs all of us um in the studio at the time uh, and the same with disney pixar doing how to train your dragon so um a completely different experience for what i'm used to uh, the competition side and even performing in the Red Hot Chili Papers because, um, uh, there was a huge accolade at the end of that to 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 be to be part of that. Um, it was, it was absolutely fantastic and it's a, it's an experience I'll remember f- um for a long long time. That's for sure.
0: I'm sure it's going to be a magical moment as you say. I've seen the pictures on Facebook of uh, and Twitter of, uh, you and your son, and I'm sure that's going to be a magical moment when he's old enough, to watch it and see your name and realize that that's Daddy playing the pipes and that that. it's got to be fun Um,
2: well he was a good luck charm he came to uh, his first pipe band competition was a few weeks ago um, at Dumbarton which was the Scottish Championships and the the pipe band that I play in actually won that competition so he's a a good luck charm and then he was at the World Championships on Saturday Um, although my wife took him home Early before the results, and we ended up second. So maybe we should have stayed to the very end, and we might have won it. Who knows?
0: Ah, uh, yeah. <laughs> well, and and let's give credit due. A Scottish band did win for the first time in what ten years, I believe.
2: Ten years. That's correct. Yeah. Um. Um. The, the, since 2005, we've been. Well, there's a Canadian band, Simon Fraser University, who's won the world championships um, on a few occasions since 2005. But um, predominantly, it's been dominated by the Irish, um, which really probably doesn't help with guys like myself being Scottish and actually playing with an Irish band. Um, but uh, the, the, the Scottish band that won it on Saturday was Shots and Ked, Caledonia. I, I was actually that's the the last Scottish pipe band that I played, and so I was I was very happy to see it stay in Scotland, you know. If it wasn't going to be us that was going to win it, the, the band that I play in is uh the St Lawrence atul pipe band from Dublin. If it wasn't going to be us, um I would I would have loved to have sort of went to a Scottish band. Um and, and the standard of pipe bands now is incredible. You know, like I said, you've got the Simon Fraser University pipe band from Canada who are, are always contenders. The, the St. Lawrence two from Dublin, you've got the Field Marshal Montgomery from Belfast who are the band that have dominated. They've won the World Championships in the past four years. You've got shots and Dykehead now that are right at the forefront. They've just won the Worlds. And you've got Inverarian District, who um, have only been in existence, I think, for about 10 years themselves. And they've rose to the top um, very quickly. Uh, And they're they're a serious contender as well. So the competition scene at the moment is very, very healthy.
0: The other thought that I had as we were talking, um, as you were discussing telling young people to to follow their dreams. I don't know if you've seen it yet. There's a really funny video making its way around on Facebook of Bear McCrary, who, of course, wrote the soundtrack for Outlander, which is bringing yes. interest in Scotland to a whole new level all around the world. And, and the whole thing is all along how he grew up loving the bagpipes and and writing bagpipes into every score he ever wrote for any film or was approached to write. And he eventually is told, nobody likes the bagpipes. And then <laughs> finally... You know, the director from Outlander calls him up and says, I'm doing this film. It's in Scotland. It's called Outlander. You don't happen to know anything about bagpipes, do you? And he's, you know, oh, my gosh. And he goes off into bagpipe nirvana, I suppose. But it's a really funny bit going around. So I think you're right. You know, you should always follow your dreams. And, And that leads us to what has to be, as you said, a lot of kids are coming to concerts and are dreaming someday of being up on the stage as a member of the Red Hot Chili Pipers. And I have to tell you, I was—I uh, I got the chance to see you guys uh, perform live in Haddington, and what was I think one of, if not your last concert in 2014. Yeah. I was over for uh, Hogmanay. Were you one of the founding members of the Chili Pipers? or how did—if not, how did you come into the band?
2: No, not at all. Actually, um, I joined the band in 2009. The band has now been going on, I think, just over 10 years. Um, I'll start by how I was involved coming into the band. One of the founding members, actually the founding member, uh, Stuart Cassells, um, is is a good friend of mine. And Stuart, unfortunately, in 2008, 2009, developed uh, this thing called focal dystonia, which is the signals from the brain to the hand just don't quite tie up. Um, And it's something that's actually very common now amongst bagpipers and various other pianists and things like that. It's a thing called focal dystonia, um, and once that sets in, unfortunately, you're, you're never really going to be able to perform as as you would like to. Um, and and it, you know he's still capable. He's got he's got all the musical uh, aspects in his head. He just can't perform it in his hands, which is terribly sad, to really. Now, when he developed focal dystonia, he had to take some time out from the band to try and work a way of fixing this, um, and, and he went and done acupuncture and physiotherapy and all different sorts of things. And I was brought in just as a little bit of a replacement, really, just um, to cover for his absence. And as it turned out, unfortunately, um, he never uh, he never made it back into the band. So um, that that was a kind of a node for me to be involved with the band. Um, so I've been involved with the band since uh, 2009. I'm very sad for Stuart that he has to do that, but um, Stuart actually now is is the one of the leading marketing uh, managers of Famous Grouse, the whiskey company. Um so he's um he's done incredibly well for himself. Considering bagpipes was Stuart's life, you know, he went through the the Royal Scottish Academy of Music and Drama, got his degree in bagpiping. Absolutely fantastic player, one of the best modern day players of our times when it comes to being innovative um and, and basically bridging the gap between modern uh, and, and contemporary music. Um so to basically be told one day you're done, you can't play. Um, it was obviously a very difficult time for him um, and he managed to put all his focus into something else and he's got an absolute fantastic job. With famous. It's called the Famous Grouse Experience and, and he's winning awards up and down the country with them. Um, so everything's worked out well for everyone in the end, actually, I actually would imagine.
0: When you talk about bridging the gap, certainly the Red Hot Chili Pipers do that. They bridge that gap between what people perceive to be traditional bagpiping and what those that are young and those of us who are still young at heart consider to be rock and roll. And it's the creation of, I don't know if you guys coined the term or where it came from, but bag rock, taking rock and roll music and covering it with bagpipes, as well as writing your own original material. Tell me a little bit about that. And and how is it that the Pipers came to be the ones who would make bagpiping cool, as you said earlier?
2: Yeah, well, bag rock is our, uh, our kind of slogan. Um, we did create that that uh, term bag rock, um, because that's exactly what it is. It's, it's, it's bridging the gap between bagpipes and rock music and, and now we've we're doing pop music and all different types of music now. I mean it, it started really just um a, a few members, as I said, just over ten years ago when they said, Well wait a minute, surely you can play other things in the bagpipe um other than jigs and reels and strathspeys," and they started to play Thunder Socks A C D C and, and various you know, Queens We Will Rock You and things like that um and realised there was a, there was a, a fit there and it worked quite well. Um so they were the um the original kind of group to do that. Uh, and ever since there's been a few other groups that have come out trying to do something similar. But because the Chili Pipers have been doing it for over ten years now they're so far ahead and I mean you'll know yourself, Glenn, after being to the show, I mean it's a proper show
1: oh, um, yes in yeah. terms
2: of the, the, the choreography, the musicianship, the light and engineers, you know, it's it's a full on show. It's a show that really should be on stage in Las Vegas and the fact that I, I, I would never rule that out I think one day it's going to be a residence somewhere in Las Vegas because um, I think once you experience the whole show you're left completely blown away Um the energy of the show is just quite incredible and there's something in it for everyone you know whether you like pop, rock or kind of some sort of metal music there's always something involved in there and actually we've got so much material now where we can really um, tailor our shows to suit any sort of uh, musical background. Just just uh, a couple of weeks ago we were playing in uh, Lorelei, um, which sits right on the River Rhine in Germany. And it was a heavy metal festival, you know. We managed to kind of tailor suit our show so that the, the, the audience would have been as much into it as they could have, you know. So rather than maybe playing stuff like don't stop believing. Um, we were playing like Bab O'Reilly by the Who and things like that. You know, think the voice and so on. Um, so we we've tried to cover as many things as we as we do, it. and we're very careful about how we do it as well. We don't just we don't just pick up a track and automatically play it on the back page. There are other musical acts that do that, and there's a very fine line between being clever and drawn in the crowd than what we would just call bagpipe karaoke. <laughs> <You
1: know?
2: laughs> um, there's a very fine line there. Um, you've got to give them a taste of it because you need to grab their attention so they know the track and they can maybe sing along some of it. But you can't play something from start to finish because it becomes very repetitive and very boring. Um, so we always, every track that we do, there, there's always a kind of traditional element in there somewhere. Um like we play um, there's a there's a band from uh, from Australia. I think they're from Australia. They're they're called uh, they're called the Naked and Famous. Um, and they're from Australia, and they they do a, a a tune called Young Blood, and it's a a great piece of music. Um, one of one of the original members of the band, uh, Wally Armstrong, he, uh, he's a big fan of this band, and he always wanted to cover this track called Young Blood, and it's in one of our albums, Breathe. Now we play this track Youngblood and, and somewhere in amongst it we actually play a pibroch which is the oldest form of bagpipe music that that's ever been wrote, you know, so it's amazing that the things that we fusion together and it just works, you know, it really, really works and I think that's why you don't have to play the bagpipes to enjoy a Red Hot Chili Papers concert, in fact truth be told, out of all of our audience that come and see us probably quite a small percentage of them are actually bagpipers, but the general public enjoy it. The bagpipers enjoy it. Everybody has a good time. Obviously, you've got your traditionalists that maybe quite not like what we do all the time, Um, but we've just got to put up with that. We thoroughly enjoy what we do. We know people enjoy what we do, and we're going to continue doing it for a very long time.
0: Speaking for myself, but I think certainly many, many of your fans, I didn't really know what to expect when I saw the show in Haddington uh, back in January, uh, or actually back in December. I'd seen a few of the YouTube videos. I uh, I had purchased the the DVD from uh, the show that you recorded here in the states last year. Uh, so I had a little uh, an inkling of an idea, but and and just you know and, and I'm no longer I'm one of those who's no longer young but still young at heart. Um, I mean I'm in my sixties and and I absolutely was blown away by your show. And as you said, it was a full on show not just um i mean there was the choreography there was the lighting and there's musical engineering and as you and and the arrangements as you touched on all were i thought were, were top notch and it made for a wonderful show and i saw in the audience it was incredible to look around and see how many different generations um there were there were persons who were far more elderly than i am. Um, there were there were kids in the audience there were teenagers there were you know young professional looking people it, it was quite a cross-section and everybody was having just the best time it was one of the best concerts i, I think i've ever been to it was a, a great great performance and um, no
2: that's very kind of you and you're right the um the audience that it just varies you know and that's what we actually we love about it we try and cater for everyone um, uh, and it's amazing the amount of people that just keep coming back all the time and that's why we do so many tours of Germany and America and so on people just keep coming back and coming back just because they have such a good time
0: yeah and, and, but I do want to say if I ever went to a show and you guys did not do uh, Don't Stop Believing I'd leave terribly disappointed <laughs>
2: <laughs> well I mean they're, 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 when it's our own shows if we're not just part of a, a festival which is catering to a certain crowd when it's our own shows There's so many tracks that we we just have to play, you know, Don't Stop Believing, Thunderstruck, We Will Rock You. You know, people would probably feel shortchanged if we never played those tracks because that's what made the band, you know, that's what makes the band Derex, you know, famous in certain places um, because we're playing some people's favourite tracks. And obviously Don't Stop Believing That it was a, a huge hit years ago and it kind of resurrected itself through high school musical and stuff like that. Um, and we managed to just kind of tag on the back of that.
0: I love the behind the scenes video that the, the, from the studio that you guys yes, made yeah. uh, recording that track. And and it's it's hilarious to watch, and yet it, it's beautiful to listen to. I do have one request, though, and I, I wrote about this on my blog uh, after I saw you guys in, in Haddington, because I didn't realize that the Pipers have a horn section. And not only do I play bass guitar, but I played trombone uh, for even longer than I, just about as long uh, or longer than I played bass. And so, uh, my dream is to hear you guys cover a Chicago tune or two. Um, yeah, absolutely. Uh, uh, Make me smile or twenty-five or six to four or you know one of one of their hits. Um, so when you guys do that, I want to come back and, and catch that live. That would be a lot absolutely. of fun.
2: Yeah, I wouldn't I wouldn't rule anything out. We're constantly on the prowl looking for various different things we can do. Is there pressure
0: on you as part of the Chili Pipers? And I'm speaking not just you personally, but on the band. You, you've touched on how. The band is making bagpiping cool. It's bringing it to a whole new generation. It's showing the bagpipe in an entirely new light in terms of it being a musical instrument. Is there any pressure on you then to live up to that or, or, or to be sure that you do present it in the proper light with the audiences that you're now finding yourselves in
2: front of? Um, I don't think there's any pressure. I mean, we're, we're we're always very confident in what we do because we know we put on a good show. We're, we haven't really had anybody, as far as I'm aware of, left unimpressed by what we do because it is just so unique. So, I mean, there's no real pressure on us from that that point of view. I think the pressure that we put on ourselves has really just to maintain that standard uh, at all times. And we're always looking for ways to uh, improve the show. Just, just very, very recently, We've um we've started to introduce a a very small fraction of vocals, which before there was never any vocals anywhere near the band because the bagpipes were the 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 vo- the kind of the voice of the band. Um, there's only three bagpipers actually play with the band, and, and that's something that surprises people. Whenever I talk to someone about the Red Hot Chili Pipers, um they just assume it's 25 guys on stage playing bagpipes you know as that's very much not yeah, the case there's, they would only, think it's a traditional pipe band type of yeah senate. exactly yeah. Think it's a pipe band but really you know we could have 14 15 musicians on stage but only three of them are actually playing the bagpipes and um, there's so many other things going on there so we're always trying to look at ways to improve the show we covered um a, a big hit Last year, it was um, Avicii's Wake Me Up. Yes, yes. We were invited to play live on uh, on BBC Radio 1, which is a major network station here. Yep,
0: I've I've seen that video on YouTube several times. Yeah, Yeah.
2: and I think it's got like 2.5 million views or something like that. Uh, In fact, I'm sure someone said to me weeks and weeks ago that on the Radio 1 YouTube channel, the top three viewed videos is something like Eminem, um, uh, some popular girl group, and then the Red Hot Chili Pipers You know, it's quite insane when you think about it that way. Um, but we always look for ways to improve the show, and and there's a, a a very small fraction of vocals in that track. Um, and we do we do give me all your Living as well, and um, use somebody by Kings of Leon. So there's certain points where we can maybe use the vocals, and that's normally done by um, uh, those kind of we we bring in uh, vocalists for that. Um, a, a guy called Chris Judge who's just got the most phenomenal range that you've ever heard in your life when he sings Avicii Uh, we've got a, a a beautiful singer, uh, Deirdre Brennan, who is actually from America. Um, and she's got such a beautiful soul voice. So when we do Amazing Grace, she'll come in and she'll sing Amazing Grace, and it just adds a whole new dynamic, uh, to to the band. Um, so we're always looking for ways to improve it.
0: Well, am I correct in thinking that in the videos I've seen? Uh, doesn't Alan do a little bit of vocal work on Gimme All does. Your Loving?
2: Yeah, you can't keep him off the of, mic if you left him, he would sing <laughs> on it all he would sing on a whole show uh, but the Gimme All Your Loving trick it's more Gimme All Your Loving and they use somebody by Kings of Leon uh, they're more kind of the chance to try and get the crowd involved in it so Alan on the bass guitar and the lead guitar as well will, will get involved in that while the Pipers are still playing through it so nah, we're always looking for ways to adapt and, and, and improve the show
0: Have you ever had Someone like Avicii or another artist come to you and discuss with you, or or give you a reaction to your cover of their their work.
2: Yes, we have. No one's came across in a negative light, which is nice. And Avicii, although that's not his name, his real name is Tim Berglin or something like that. I can't remember his actual proper name, um unfortunately. But he, uh, when when the whole phenomenon was kicking off, and you know, within a matter of an hour, we had like over half a million views on YouTube and so on, and it's. It's travelled the world. It went viral. He did share it, although I think he said something like Scottish guys and skirts playing my track on bagpipes. That's cool, you know. So he was obviously corrected that it's not that. It's not a skirt, It's a it's a kilt. Uh, he was he was quickly <laughs> corrected on that point. But at least at least it was brought to his attention, and uh, and he enjoyed it. Uh, but what that track actually does done for us, I I believe, put us on to. Another level and a bigger stage because on the back of that, we performed uh, like on the main stage at Tea in the Park, which is one of the biggest music festivals yes, in Scotland. Yeah, um, we uh we performed at the Ryder Cup uh concert in Glasgow and we were sharing a stage with Niall Rogers and various and other you know big musical acts. We actually opened the Ryder Cup as well at Glen Eagles that that week. The band got invited to perform at the MTV Music Awards and actually played um, a, a little kind of jamming session track with Ed Sheeran so I mean it's really it's, it's, it took the band to, to a new level really uh, that that track which was phenomenal for us
0: Jamming with Ed Sheeran had to be fun and uh, and you left out you also played at the uh, launch of a, uh, a new ocean liner and I believe uh, Her Majesty the Queen was there as well
2: yeah that's correct yeah we played in front of the Queen um, quite a few times actually I think the Queen's been involved in some of the things that we've been we we've, we've been playing at so that was a, that was a great that was a great occasion, um you know, we've been involved in some... just there's been actually that many really high profile shows that we've been involved in we probably should sit down one day and actually write them all down, um because uh, you know you forget when you move on to the next one and, and and that's that's all you talk about for a period of time and then you move on to the next one, um but there, there's been there has been I mean there's been just a huge list. Of so many shows and performances that we've been involved in, you know, like some proms at the park. Uh, we 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 played at Hyde Park, and I think there some like sixty thousand people there. Um, just an absolute incredible experience. To think that bagpipes are being put on the stage alongside some real mainstream artists, um, and you're getting thousands of people coming along and joining it is is very humbling indeed.
0: I want to make sure that uh, that I get you back, and uh I'd like to have you come back with. Alan and Dougie McCants, and we'll talk a great deal more about the Red Hot Chili Pipers uh, in depth. So I guess in order to wrap this up, I want to get back to something we were talking with earlier, and uh, and I'd like maybe to let you uh, share a bit of of your teaching lecture. And my question is, to a young person today, what would you say to them to encourage them, if they have the interest, to take up the bagpipes? And not just a young person in Scotland, but young people all around the world. Why should they um, should they think
2: about taking up the bagpipes? Well, because you will become part of uh, such a great worldwide community. You know, we had the World Pipe Band Championships there on Saturday. There was over ten thousand pipers in Glasgow. There was bands from Oman, Malaysia, America, Canada, New Zealand, everywhere in the the world you can possibly think of. They were here in Glasgow for the world pipe band championships um it's such It's such a great community to be part of it's such a fun instrument to learn as well. I mean it takes a lot of dedication um but it's such a fun instrument to be involved in and the other thing as well which you've got to remember if you learn the bagpipes and you become fairly good at it well there's a lot of money to be made you know you could be you could be performing it. Weddings and functions and all various different things. So there's always light at the end of the tunnel where you can actually make a little bit of money from it. Um, but it's just there's there's a lot of joy to be had. And I always think as well, um, a a, a great self achievement. And you can get to the stage where you can play maybe four or five tunes well on the bagpipes. now I doesn't really bother me what level you get to, whether you become a professional piper or just someone that does it as a hobby. The minute you get to that stage. You know, you should be incredibly proud of what you've achieved because it's such a hard instrument to learn. Um, And, and as I say, just to be part of that worldwide community is very special indeed.
0: And someday, perhaps, you could end up on stage as a member of the Red Hot Chili Pipers.
2: Yep, you just don't know what's in front of you. If someone was to say to me 20 years ago that I'd be travelling the world, performing on stage to thousands of people and, and basically travelling the world and going to places like Abu Dhabi to teach the Abu Dhabi Police Pipe Band the Bagpipes, you know, I would never have believed it in a million years that it was even possible. Um, so you just don't know what's around the corner.
0: My sincere thanks as always to Craig Monroe for taking time from his very busy schedule as a member of the Red Hot Chili Pipers and as a new father to join me here under the Tartan Sky. Be sure to check our show notes on the website, under the tartansky. For links to Wallace Bagpipes, the Red Hot Chili Pipers, and more. Next week, it's more about bagpipes, as we'll celebrate and help unveil a new fundraising project to benefit a group of pipe bands here in the USA. And in the coming weeks, more about Scottish music, as I recently sat down for a lengthy in-person interview with the band Smithfield Fair, a Scottish band from Baton Rouge, Louisiana. So until next time, I'm Glenn Moyer. Top a and don't stop believing, because you never know what's around the corner.
1: Under the Tartan Sky is a production of Glen Moyer Creative Communications. Learn more on our website at www.glenelmoyer.com. For show notes and more information on this and all Under the Tartan Sky episodes, please visit our website at www.underthetartansky.scot. And while you're there, check out our online shop where you can buy exclusive Under the Tartan Sky logo apparel, and other items. Have an idea for a future episode? Well get in touch via email at info at sky dot Scott Visit and like our page on Facebook and follow us on Twitter where our username is at underscore tartansky. That's the underscore symbol Tartan Sky. And thank you for listening.